Production and distribution of City Club forums on IdeaStream are made possible by the generous support of PNC, the Chautauqua Institution, and the United Black Fund of Greater Cleveland Incorporated. Hello and welcome to the City Club of Cleveland. I'm Dan Malter, Chief Executive here and a proud member. It's July 31st and you're with a virtual City Club forum, but we're actually live from the City Club itself. Hooray. Last night, the NBA restarted with more than a nod to the Black Lives Matter movement. That phrase, Black Lives Matter, was on the floor of the court, the court and on the jerseys players wore as they took a knee, all of them, during the national anthem at two separate games. Two months ago, after George Floyd was killed in Minneapolis by a man who at the time was a Minneapolis police officer. The Cleveland Cavaliers put out a statement. Here's part of it. We believe all for one really does mean all. Thus, all of us, both individually and as organizations and communities, have a responsibility to speak up and try to influence and help end horrible situations and outcomes like this. Let's all respond with a sense of urgency and a deeper determination to make life better and work towards a world where everyone feels safe. Today we're going to talk about what that statement means in practice. We've got coaching and front office leadership from the organization today. Kobe Altman, general manager of the Cleveland Cavaliers is with us along with J.B. Bickerstaff, he's head coach, and Kevin Clayton, vice president of diversity and inclusion and community engagement for the Cavs. And full disclosure, Kevin just joined our board here at the City Club. He was elected at a meeting on Tuesday. So congratulations and welcome to you, sir. And welcome to you as well, Coach and General Manager Kobe Altman. As in every City Club forum, you get to participate with your questions. You can text them to 330-541-5794. That's 330-541-5794. And you can also tweet them at the City Club. We will work them into the program. Kobe, Coach, Kevin, thanks for joining us. It is great to see you. Thank you, Dan. Thank, Thank you for you. having us. Right now, there would be a bunch of applause. So I wish, I mean, it's, it's so funny to be here. But it's great to have you, and this is a great uh, reason to open up our doors again. And we're all sitting here socially distant. Uh, Coach, last night, the NBA restarted. And, um, and as I said, Black Lives Matter was front and center. It was center court, not exactly center court, off to the side center court, but it, but it was really front and center, center stage. What were you thinking as you were watching uh, the games? I was proud, to be honest with you. Um, you know, for the league and it's a whole to for it to mean as much as them that they would put that on the court. Like you think about how much they sell sponsorship rights and logos on the court and for them to go past that and put Black Lives Matter on the court for everybody to see. Uh, it shows the amount of support that they have for the players. You know, what I mean, like the players have been marching, they've been protesting, they've been using their voice. And it's always great to have the support and the power that the NBA brings behind you. Kobe Altman, it's a, a, a long way, yeah, last night, a long way from Colin Kaepernick taking a knee on his own, from other players, individual players, wearing a Black Lives Matter t-shirt or, or jersey when they're warming up. Uh, how did you feel? You know, I think uh, it was an incredible uh, show of unity from the league um, and the NBA. And, you know, we have a unique opportunity as a league. Uh, when you think about, you know, our athletes, our some of the most famous African-Americans in the world. So we have this global stage and we have a chance to 
spread the message, you know, open up dialogue. And that's really what Colin was doing back then, Kaepernick, is he wanted to create a dialogue. And whether you agree with kneeling for the national anthem or not, that was an incredibly powerful statement um, that our guys did, along with the coaches, along with the front office, along with all of the NBA. And it's going to be an iconic moment uh, of 2020 as well, of all the images that we're seeing this year. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be a very powerful moment in our history. And again, it's, a, it's a, to open the dialogue of, of social uh, injustice. And so, uh, like Coach, I, I, was, I was proud, uh, but I was, I was moved at the same time. And I think our fans across the world um, saw that um, as a pivotal moment. And, and uh, we got to keep the momentum going and keep the movement going. Kevin Clayton, you've been in this work for most of your career, diversity and inclusion for, on behalf of large corporations uh, and now on behalf of the Cleveland Cavaliers. That must have been something to see Black Lives Matter painted on the court itself and on every single jersey. Yeah, you, you know, Dan, for me it was the support, as Coach said, from a league level. So as you mentioned, I've been involved with this work from the largest of companies, nonprofits, and oftentimes statements are made, comments are made, but there's nothing that goes behind it. And what last night did for me, it actually cemented the fact that, yes, the league is 100% behind this movement. Um, They have taken a part of humanity that is under siege right now and said, we're gonna support the black community. And that that walks the talk, which is absolutely what we're trying to do. You know, there's people listening and watching right now who are, you know, the whole spectrum of uh, points of view about Black Lives Matter. And there's still people, I, you know, I, I, I still come across people who still don't understand why, why the words together are, are being used, why people are taking a knee. They think that taking a knee is disrespectful. And Kevin, I just want to ask you to just summarize, just make the case, help people understand. Sure. So I was fortunate to have done some work back with Dr. Bernice King and the King Center when Black Lives Matter was was formed. And this was in response to the Trayvon Martin uh, killing. And it was a an opportunity for the black community to bring light to the uh, systemic racist issues that are really keeping the black community kind of segregated from the rest of the population based by systemic racism. So the statement Black Lives Matter actually is a part of humanity that is under siege, as I said. And as we hear, it was like, all lives matter. Well, yeah, all lives do matter. But how can all lives matter if black lives matter, if black lives don't matter? So the, the, the statement itself really talks to, here's part of our population that needs support, holistic support. And we're going to focus on that part of the population. That's no different than any other demographic group being under siege as well, but right now, and if you look across multiple systems, let it be education, let it be health, law enforcement, judicial, incarceration, all of those systems, you'll see disparities with the African-American community. So this is really an an outreach of saying, we all of humanity are gonna wrap our arms around the black community. It's not to say other lives don't matter, it's saying right now, the black community needs support. Right, right. 
Uh, let me just say, if you're just joining us, uh, we, you're with the City Club Friday Forum. I'm Dan Maltra. Kevin Clayton was just speaking. He is the Vice President for Diversity, Inclusion, and Community Engagement at the Cleveland Cavaliers. Coach J.B. Bickerstaff is with us as well, along with Kobe Altman, General Manager. Coach Bickerstaff, you're wearing a, a, a pin that says Coaches for Racial Justice. Tell me about that. Um, well, obviously, you know, it kind of spurred from uh, the George Floyd uh, murder. Um, we had a group of coaches who were extremely passionate about wanting to do something. Um, and it was, you know, one phone call led to another phone call, and then that phone call led to all 30 head coaches uh, in the NBA on a Zoom discussing this. Uh, and the topic was, began with, how do we approach our assistant coaches or our younger coaches who might not feel comfortable speaking out uh, or they need support and they might not be getting support. And then it turned into, well, we have large voices in 30 markets. You know, how can we do our best to impact our markets? Uh, so we formed a subcommittee to kind of lead the way. Uh, and you know, what we tried to do is started working with grassroots groups uh, in each of those 30 NBA markets. And you think about the cities that we reach, right? They're big time uh, uh, cities. And what we're trying to do now is implement sustainable programs that it's not a flash in a pan. You know, this, this won't be healed overnight. So we're committed for the long run is we're trying to get into our communities, understand the different problems that our communities face in those different markets, and then figure out a way to solve them. Uh, and what our motion has been is, you know, there was this huge frustration as a group that, you know, we're extremely passionate about things in our society for two days. Then the news cycle flips and then we go on to something else. So our focus was how do we make this long lasting and sustainable uh, and we wanted to be consistent with our effort and hopefully that spreads over to our communities as well. Do you think that part of what has, what has kept the protests going, what has made the, the attention, has sustained some of the attention was the fact that you weren't, I mean for you, you could focus on this, you had no basketball games to coach, um, we had no basketball games to watch. Um, and there was no baseball to watch and there was you know it was that do you think that was part of what was going on yeah I mean I think it was all of this is part of the perfect storm to uh, finally focus our attention you know as a nation on an issue that you know we should have been focusing on long ago mm -hmm. and you know people weren't going to work people were staying home people were now allowed to watch the news and educate themselves on the reasons why we are where we are today and then again, that education and understanding leads to the passion that we're seeing and people wanting to do more and, and create mm -hmm. change that's long lasting. And, and let's not forget the, the horrific image of eight, eight minutes and 46 seconds of a police officer's knee on the back of George Floyd's neck. I mean, that was an image that we all had to grapple with as a society. And that horrific image we couldn't let pass as a moment in society. And everybody was outraged. Everybody felt that they need to learn and understand and grapple with this problem more and be a part of the solution. So like Coach said, it was a perfect storm, um, but that image was different. And that image um, and amount of time that you had to watch that um, was really difficult to process and everybody had to process that and figure out, okay, what's next? What do we do to solve this problem? Kobe Altman, when uh, 
when you and Coach got together to write that statement that, that you were ready to put out and then, and then the, the organization put out an additional statement that I quoted at the beginning of the program, one of the things that, that you both wrote was this is not the first time that we've had to stand together in an attempt to impact change, but this could be the first time we actually do create change for all of humanity. Do you still feel that? Do you still feel that we're on our way to actually doing something? Yeah. So you know, it's interesting. Um, we're fortunate because we're, we're from the top down. Uh, Dan Gilbert, who's our chairman and owner, um, gives us the support to to tackle these these diversity inclusion issues. Um, and before the George Floyd murder, um, we were already starting to grapple with some of these uncomfortable issues as a team and as an organization. Um, you know, we're, we're fortunate enough and the coaches are fortunate enough to work with Brian Stevenson, you know, who's the famous attorney um, that you know, works to get um, African-Americans off death row and more than that, prove their innocence through the Innocence Project. You know, they gave us a, uh, a firsthand uh, viewing of Just Mercy. And so the Just Mercy film, I would urge all of the listeners and watchers to, you know, to, to watch that, that film, which I think is streaming on multiple different platforms. And so as an organization and as a team, uh, early in the fall, we went, out to, we went to go see that, that film. And so that started a dialogue within our organization already, like, whoa, we need to focus more on the criminal justice system and the inequities of that. And so that played out and we went on. And so it's a, a represent justice movement that he started and so as a team and as an organization, almost all of our players and staff went to the Grafton uh, Correctional Facility in Ohio and had a roundtable discussion with inmates. And that was, that, those were tough conversations. Those were, were difficult conversations, but it, it gave us a platform to learn and grow. Um, what made those conversations well, so hard for you? Well, well one, you know, first of all, you, you know, we're all learning about you know, the systemic racism that has happened in, in, in this country for years and that, you know, 2.5 million Americans are incarcerated, which is double any country in the world, most of them being black and brown people, most of which are poor. And so we're learning from these inmates about, you know, their lack of access to, to uh, health care, to education, access to a normal upbringing that gives them a chance to actually succeed in society and how they were how they had to start from that level and not even having a chance and so those that opportunity was was incredible for us to learn and understand how privileged we are and how we need to help and so after that we actually played for justice so that's part of a, a part of the campaign and it gave our guys incredible joy to play in front of the inmates um, and to see you know, their, their faces light up when Colin Sexton is out there coaching um, and, try, and coaching these inmates to, to success on the basketball floor. And so we were already set up as a group, and Coach can attest to this, like when that happened, that moment happened with George Floyd, we were ready to have that conversation with our organization, with our players, and give them a safe space to, to talk. And we jumped on a Zoom call about two days afterwards um, led by coach, and and it was remarkable that the, mm -hmm. they were able to share their thought, their thoughts, their frustration, their hurt, uh, in the, on this forum 
And I think that's what we've done as an organization is be able to create those, those moments of organizational growth and, 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 and what's next. Mm -hmm. And so Kevin's done an incredible job of leading us to the what's next part, but we're all in on the commitment mm -hmm. to, to make change here. Yeah. You know, then, Kevin Clayton, go ahead. Around the, the question you said as well around what made those conversations tough. Yeah. Um, we were watching in some cases, I'm saying really from not a direct standpoint, but we were looking at our brothers, we were looking at our neighbors, we were looking at our cousins, our fathers, and quite honestly, we were looking at if it were not for us being somewhat privileged by maybe making a choice, a different choice, that could have been any of the three of us. Mm -hmm. So it's real when you hear these young men talking about how a bad decision they made changed the, their life and they were incarcerated for a number of years. So that, that made it tough for us as well because we could internalize it and we could see people that we grew up with also in that circle. You know, Kevin, I, I don't, I think there's a lot of white America that doesn't understand what you're saying in that like it could have been you, but for slightly different circumstances, like really slightly different circumstances. And I, I just want, I, I want to ask you to just say a little bit more about, about that because, because oftentimes you hear, you'll hear white people say, well, it's about choices. People make choices, those are consequences. And they don't really understand or don't see the underlying structures that, you know, that mean that if a, you know, that a black child, a black teenager and a white teenager maybe make the same dumb decision and the black teenager winds up, you know, behind bars and the white teenager is like, ah, it's just being a kid. Yep. Um, so, Dan, as you know, I grew up here in Cleveland, and I'll offer a very personal example. So I grew up in the Lee Harvard area, which is not the best areas of Cleveland on the east side, um, with a single mom that actually saw at a very young age when I was in the fourth grade, she was like, I'm going to do whatever I can do to move us into Shaker Heights. And for those of us that know, there's a part of Shaker that is kind of the black part of Shaker. And then it's that, that is two family homes, three family homes, and me growing up in a two family home with, for us, we had four rooms and we moved for four straight years because the landlord went up on the rent and I'm not exaggerating. One time it was $10 a month, but because my mother couldn't have, she didn't have the opportunity to really increase her wages. We moved three doors down to another home. And the purpose of that I'm saying is if she had not made that choice to sacrifice for my education, the reason we moved is to get me out of that environment into a community that has a better, a, a better education system, that has a better neighborhood, if you will, I have no idea what my life would have been like. And that was a economic choice, it was an education choice, it was a quality of life choice that was made. So just that one decision that I didn't make, but my, my mother made it for me, gave me an opportunity to have a better education, to then have an opportunity to actually survive at, at a point where I am now. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things coming from that conversation was how many of the men said that they had a sense of hopelessness uh, as they were being brought up and they had no way out. And so they had to make some decisions to either support their family, eat that night, uh, or what have you, but they made that decision 
and it ended up leading to incarceration. Um, and what people need to understand is that the oppression is real. Uh, you know, the fact that public schools are funded different by area codes, you know, it, it says a lot about our society and the systemic racism that we talk about. If you're not afforded the same education because you live 30 minutes away from another kid, you know, you're going to be put a step behind in the race. And then you're constantly trying to figure out how do you make up ground. And desperation leads to terrible decisions. You know, we've, I've been fortunate in my life, and I've made some bad decisions. Uh, so imagine, you know, you throw the desperation in there, you're going to make some bad decisions that lead to, you know, the, the incarceration rates that we're seeing now as well. You guys mentioned Brian Stevenson, coach, and you worked closely with him. He spoke at City Club in 2015, um, and one of the his, the message that he delivers everywhere, and I'm sure he delivered with all of you, was I, I can remember like three of the four things, right? Get proximate, get uncomfortable, and change the narrative. And I think there's a fourth thing that he talks about too, and somebody will remind us uh, on Twitter, I'm sure. But <laughs> um, but by taking the team and your colleagues to Grafton, you were doing so much of that. Mm -hmm. You're getting close to the issues, right? And you're getting uncomfortable with the conversation, having the uncomfortable conversations, and getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, and changing the narrative of what basketball and professional sports can do. When you got into professional sports, do you think you were going to be doing this work? No, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, you're in a position of leadership and leadership doesn't get to choose the moment. Uh, and for us, like this is the moment, this is the position we're in, and now it's our responsibility to do the job. Uh, and I think, you know, you don't get to pick and choose. And that's the best part about our job is, you know, I can't go home at night and turn the switch off and not be in a position of leadership. You know, it's our responsibility with all of the support that we have to pull whoever's behind us up and whatever situation we're facing, we got to hit it head on uh, and be a voice for it and, you know, inspire other people because the other people, because that's what leadership is about, right? Mm -hmm. Leadership is about inspiration. Uh, and so that's what we're trying to do is inspire other people to do more than maybe we're even capable of doing. J.B. Bickerstaff is the head coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers. We're talking with him and general manager Kobe Altman and Kevin Clayton. Kevin is the vice president of diversity, inclusion, and community engagement for the Cavs. And we're talking about professional sports and racial equity and, um, and how professional sports teams are, are leaning in and trying to change the narrative. You can join our conversation when you text your question to 330-541-5794. That's 330-541-5794. You can also tweet it at the City Club and we'll work it into the program. Um, Kevin, you sometimes talk about sports as a Trojan horse. Mm -hmm. say, say more about that, that metaphor. Yeah, so when I think about the role that sports plays, and particularly professional sports, um, in this community, if you mention the Browns, the Indians, the Cavaliers, quite honestly, there's not a conversation with anybody or door that we can't get into just by saying that we're with the Cavs. So it's not our individual names, it's the brand name. And for us, we have a responsibility not to just go in as a sports organization, but to the extent that we can bring these social issues with us, and having a conversation where we get in, inside, it could be the mayor's office, it could be the county executive's office, that we want to be able to go in, but yet let's bring healthcare issues with us, let's bring education issues with us, let's bring law enforcement issues as well. So we have an obligation, I think, is kind of being the front 
to a lot of these as others can come behind us and kind of connect with the work that we're trying to get done socially. Mm -hmm. and, and it's incredible, the, the point that, that Kevin brings up is, you know, we've talked to other leadership of the other organizations. Um, and the Indians and the, the Browns. The Indians and the Browns. So Andrew Barry, by way of example, and Chris Antonetti, we've been on group chats and discussions about what we can do together as mm -hmm. organizations to lean in on this. And Coach and Kevin Stefanski have had deep discussions on what we can do and bringing in Tito as well. And so now we're talking about something incredibly powerful with the organizations coming together, the sports organizations coming together of Cleveland to really engage in this issue, uh, collective initiatives, and have it be sustainable. Um, and so we're on ongoing discussions on what we're going to do, but um, it's an incredibly exciting time that way mm -hmm. uh, to have those conversations and it be about the community. Um, what do you want to do? Well, I, I think for us um, at, the, at the Cavs, and we're discussing with the organiz other organizations as well, how we can affect change as a group. But with the Cavs, we sort of focused on a few buckets we think we can affect change with. And, you know, we talk about education being a large one um, and giving uh, kids access to higher education that then leads to hiring practices and sustaining that um, as well. So we talked about that. Uh, we talked about uh, police relations, and Kevin's done an amazing job, along with JB, already sort of fostering those relationships within the community. I think you've talked to the police chief already. Um, yeah. Today, no, no, so it's so so it's incredible, and and I want to say that the relationship between law enforcement is the key. It's not it's it's not uh, putting a burden on them or burden on us. It's increasing the relationship there, so we can have um, a, a sort of a, a knowledge and base of of where they're coming from, where we're coming from, how we can come together as communities and, and work these issues out. And what's the third thing, Kevin, we're talking about? It's, it's, so, it's so a relationship. Voting, and education, then, and, then and law enforcement. Obviously, yeah. um, the big vote. initiative is, is getting one out, out to vote, getting one registered to vote. And uh, Kevin could talk more about that because that's, that's an immediate need. Kevin, talk about that. Yep. So one of the things that we identified that came out of just our team members and the team members from the other teams was the importance of voting. Mm -hmm. And this is not a partisan issue. I mean, we, we want to drive everybody to vote. And what we realize is that you know, we have an opportunity to leverage our brand strength across the Browns, the Indians, the Cavs, with the personalities, with our facilities, to actually encourage the community to vote. And now we're talking about specifically maybe Cuyahoga County, because our building is now up for consideration uh, for being a precinct uh, for voting. And um, so we're working through that right now. The arena, I mean, yeah, the, the field house. Right, Rocky Morgan's field house, uh -huh. right. So if you think about it from that perspective of what were some of the challenges in the spring, mm -hmm. you had social distancing that was an issue, you had lines down the street. We have that location. beautiful atrium yeah. that, that can, can, so we're in negotiations right now to uh, get certified for that. But it's not just the voting location, it's leading up to it. As Kobe said, we have voter education, we have registration, and then there's early voting. So the, the county election board has done a great job of educating all three teams on what we need to do and how we can have impact. And we think that it's our civic responsibility to take a lead in this area. We're not the experts, but we have facilities and resources that can help the community. Coach, for some reason I keep thinking of the sort of news personalities that would tell uh, players to stop getting involved in politics and just dribble and play the game. And, um, 
and I'm noting in my head that you all are doing everything but that. You're doing the exact opposite, and it's very refreshing. Um, how are the conversations with the players? Ta tell us about like how the who's leading for uh, on your team, on your squad. Uh, the conversations are real. Uh, you know, going back to the conversation that Kobe mentioned, uh, you know, almost immediately after the George Floyd uh, murder. You know, we had guys that we look up to who are bigger than life. You know, they're, you know, wanting in stature and personality. But we had guys on that call admitting fear. And, you know, we had a guy who was literally sitting in his car at that time. A police officer walked by him and he got nervous. Now, if you think about how fortunate, how famous, how wealthy, like go down the list that these NBA players are, but yet, you know, one person man to man can still walk by and create a sense of nervousness and fear. It says a lot about where we are as a society and the damage that's been done in our past. Uh, and I think that's where we have to begin to educate ourselves. Like we were talking about working with Brian Stevenson. He's got the Equal Justice Initiative, which is something I think we should all check out. But he has done the research and the museum is based on lynchings up through the 1950s. Now, if you think about those lynchings and how much trust has been lost between those people who are supposed to be protected and those people who are supposed to be protecting those people is the police officers turned their backs and allowed lynch mobs to come in and take entire families. Sometimes the police officers were a part of those lynch mobs. So you're going back, you know, wasn't that long ago, but you're going back generations for black people who, you know, they pass that on. They tell their sons, they tell their grandsons. So there is a huge amount of trust that's been lost there. And that's what those guys want to understand and they want to know. Um, you know, leadership has come from, you know, all the way from Kevin Love to Darius Garland, Colin Sexton. Like, it's been the gamut of older guys, veterans, uh, you know, guys that want to know. You know, Kevin Love's first question is, how do I help? You know what I mean? And I think for him to open up that, like that, uh, you know, and, and, you know, ask those questions just says a lot about his character, but you see it all over. You know what I mean? There's, there's white males all over the place right now that are asking, how can we help? What do we need to do to support your cause? And it's eye-opening, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's refreshing is the, the word you use. Like it's encouraging to see that happening and see it happening right in front of us. Like it gives me hope that we can impact the change that we're trying to uh, uh, see right now. So, you know, our guys are spirited, they're passionate, um, and they're, they're willing to do, you know what I mean? Like, enough with the statements, it's time to uh -huh. do. And that's what our guys are, are, are after now. How about with other coaches? And the, the ranks of NBA head coaches are diverse as well. You've, and I know you've emerged in a, in a leadership role among them in coaches for racial justice. How are your white counterparts coming along? They're, they're unbelievable. Uh, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll start with the guys that we know, right? Like. Uh, Greg Popovich has been, you know, very public about his statements long before this, right? Steve Kerr, um, you know, those guys have been, you know, on the forefront of this. But I, I mean, the conversations that we have, and, and the, the, the surprising part of it is, you know, in our normal circles, you know, we don't have these discussions, right? We see each other for five minutes before the game. We're checking on each other. We're seeing how we're doing. But like, we have had hour-long conversations on these topics and these issues and how we move the ball forward. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Brett Brown, Quinn Snyder, uh, Lloyd Pierce has taken a huge role uh, in all of this. We've had, you know, Stan Van Gundy, David Fisdale, like, 
I mean, top to bottom, you know, white, brown, Latino, Filipino, you know, all the coaches have come together. And that's one of the things where uh, that first conversation we had, I left feeling so encouraged because if our small group of 30 people could put a plan in place that could attract so much attention and impact the change we're talking about, imagine what all the other voices of the people who are coming together and the ideas and thoughts that they can have, how they could help push the ball forward too. So, uh, I mean, I am proud to be a part of that group. I'm proud of where we are right now and the people who are moving this thing forward. Uh, and I'm excited about the opportunity that we have from the darkness that we've come from to move ourselves into 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 the light, uh, so to speak. That's mm -hmm. what's so exciting. You talk about Brian Stevenson, who's a modern day American hero, right? Mm -hmm. He just is. Um, when he talks about you know this this uh, this moment in time, he says, you know, "We're we think this is a movement and not just a moment." Mm -hmm. And to hear that from him, this is his life, brother. He does this every single day, and to hear his hopefulness and his excitement um, that. We, we have a real chance here to capitalize. Um, that's exciting. And, and uh, we're fortunate that he's, that he's helping us so, so much down, down this path. Are, are you able to speak with your counterparts, your other GMs around the league, uh, in the same way the coaches? We, we have. Um, I think they are so public-facing. You, know, mm -hmm. you think about JB has to, on a, on a normal game day, forget about the climate right now, <laughs> right. he has to speak to the media twice a day. Um, and he's, in, he's an incredible face for the organization. Um, and so they're, they're out there much more. Mm -hmm. So we're behind the scenes and figure out what resources do we need as an organization to create change. Mm -hmm. um, and and I, I think, you know, fairly or unfairly, um, he gets the burden of having to be the public-facing uh, piece of that. I've been out there, too, as well, um, and, 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 and trying to further that message. I think... Um, you know, you talk about, and you have, so you have, you know, some really successful uh, black executives at the table right now, right? And we've all had to navigate to get to the positions we're in. It's not, it's not easy. Uh, it's, it's rare uh, to get to these positions. And hopefully our faces create more change and more opportunity for, for people uh, like us. But just myself realizing that me being in this position and being an inspiration for a, a community and a group, um, that's not good enough anymore. Mm -hmm. And I have to step outside my comfort zone and do more. Mm -hmm. um, me being in this position is not, that's not it anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I have to commit to, to even pushing the envelope even more and creating even more change and doing uh, uh, more. I think we all need to take a risk, right? Mm -hmm. You have to take a risk um, in, in whether it be anything you do but be a part of this movement mm -hmm. be a part of of this step outside your comfort zone um take a risk and and uh you'll, you'll be proud when you look back on this moment in time mm -hmm. kobe altman is general manager of the cleveland cavaliers also with us kevin clayton vice president for diversity inclusion and community engagement with the organization and coach head coach jb bickerstaff we are, uh, this is the City Club Friday Forum, and if you have a question, you can tweet it at the City Club and we'll work it into the program. And, or you can text it to 330-541-5794. That number again is 330-541-5794. Question from our listening audience. Uh, glad to hear the imperative to vote, 
is among the team's priorities, especially in honor and, and in memory of Representative Congressman John Lewis. In what ways can sports fans and community members support and strengthen your get out the vote efforts to ensure ready access to the ballot? Kevin Clayton. Yeah, so, so I think there's a couple of things, one of which is to encourage those individuals that are 18 and above to get registered. Sure. So that would be first. Secondly, is as, as we are identifying maybe barriers to people getting out to vote um, that we may anticipate, then there's early voting in which in Cuyahoga County that's coming down to the Board of Elections to actually cast a vote in person. And there's also in Ohio, we do have mail-in voting. So encourage those people who may be discouraged about coming out, particularly in this time of, of COVID, mm -hmm. that there are multiple ways in which you can vote. Mm -hmm. And really speaking up about the positiveness of voting. And as we think about this time, as, uh, as you just mentioned, around kind of the Voting Act's rights and things of that mm -hmm. nature and the passing of our, our, our legends, it's like we owe it to those who have actually died before us. And I'm talking about everybody, not just the black community. Everybody owes it to those who have given their lives for the right to vote. So we want to exercise that right. Mm -hmm. um Here's another question. It sounds like the Cavs are doing some great things to support and further diversity and inclusion internally and externally in the community. Are these efforts also being directed at services the organization uses, such as diversity and inclusion requirements for outside legal counsel, or making sure the Cavs' legal matters are staffed by diverse attorneys, especially in light of the legal profession being historically non-diverse, particularly in regard to black attorneys? Yeah, so the direct answer to that is yes, we do have a strategy to engage uh, outside vendors at multiple levels. So mm -hmm. um, yes, I mean, we have a very small uh, uh, legal team that consists of, of two people and there is opportunity to uh, reach outside to bring other inside counsel in on very specific things. So uh, yes, that is the case. And if there is a law firm that wants to partner with us or what have you, they can reach out to me and we can figure out a way to at least engage them with our uh, legal team. All right, Coach Bickerstaff, uh, how will Cavs organization leverage its influence to address issues as such as police violence at the local and state level? And what will true engagement look like beyond you talking to Chief Williams on the phone? Which is engagement. I mean, for real, that's real engagement. And I also want to know, what do you guys talk about? <laughs> uh, well, we, we talk about, you know, how we can bridge the gap. Mm -hmm. uh, we talk about how we can help. Uh, and, you know, we were talking about trust, right? Like, how do we help build that trust? And, you know, my passion has always been helping young people, right? And starting there and then understanding where my strength lies. Like, I know sports, right? And I know that sports can bring people together. So the conversation that we're having with Chief Williams is, you know, how do we use sports to bring the community together with law enforcement? Uh, you know, there is a thing, you guys have heard of the Police Athletic League, mm -hmm. right? So we grew up playing in the Police Athletic League he was a part of the Police Athletic League and said that that was part of what inspired him to be a police officer. Mm -hmm. So there's ways to engage the community and law enforcement and, you know, see each other as something different. Like mm -hmm. right now, you know, there are a lot of young black kids who see the police as boogie monsters, to yeah. be honest with you. So yeah. getting an opportunity to see a police officer as a human being, you know, is different. Giving a police officer an opportunity to see a young black man as something other than you know a criminal is huge so i think you build those relationships and that's what kind of what we're working on uh at, at the moment yeah. coach and cleveland and is a go ahead one thing to that um because you mentioned chief williams and the question was around chief williams 
there's actually three African-American chiefs that are here in the Cleveland area. Mm -hmm. So it's Chief Williams of uh, you know, Cleveland Police Department. There's also Carolyn Williams who oversees the Federal Reserve mm -hmm. and that's Cleveland and Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. And then there's Chief Sheila Mason who is the Chief of Woodmere. And the three of them also lead or the representatives for an organization that's called Noble, which is the National Organization of Black Law Enforcement. So there's a national platform that they are part of Mm -hmm. And the conversations that Coach is having connects to their platform to bring youth together with law enforcement to mm -hmm. break down that barrier of them being the boogeyman, if you will. So mm -hmm. it's much broader than just Cleveland. It's a right. whole Northeast Ohio area that yeah. we're, we're trying to develop relationships with. It, it feels important to remember and contextualize engagement with law enforcement around the, the killings of Tamir Rice, Timothy Russell, Melissa Williams. Um, and you know, and there have been other moments of police brutality, and there's a consent decree currently, and you know, and then broader than that is this other conversation happening around criminal justice reform. We've spoken with the Bail Project, which mm -hmm. is seeking to disrupt ca the cash bail system in um, here in Cleveland as well as other places in America, and and we different aspects of criminal justice reform have been coming up a lot. Kobe Altman, you mentioned before the priorities of voting education and engagement with law enforcement. Do you see criminal justice reform as a part of that? I do. I, you know, we, we learned a tremendous amount, um, you know, visiting uh, the correctional uh, facility in Grafton. Mm -hmm. um, and, and just the inequities of the system. Um, I was on a panel with, with Van Jones, um, who, who's who looks across party lines and has actually worked with the Trump administration to get almost 12,000 people out of, of jail. Um, he, he doesn't care about Republican, Democrat when it comes down to uh, this pursuit. And just listening to him and learning about um, the access to uh, proper attorneys and, mm -hmm. and all of that systemic racism that goes in, into the criminal justice system, it's really difficult to hear one, but it's part of the discussion. And it's part of making sure that um, we all have a, a fair chance. And so, um, yeah, I, that's, that's something that goes into the discussion. Um, you, you know, Coach talked about what, what we're good at. What we're really good at is bringing people together. I think we're going to really lean into education. Um, you know, are we going to be able to go and change policy? Um, mm -hmm. I'm not sure. That, that's hard. People are doing that every single day of their, li of their life. Well, what are we good at and what can we infect? And I think what we're, we're leaning in on is sort of those missions and those goals. And I'm a huge proponent in, in higher education um, leading to access, leading to you having a chance to then get a job. Then from there, it's up to our organizations to invest in that diversity. Mm -hmm. um, myself, I've been with the Cavs eight years mm -hmm. and um, you know, Dan, I know Dan firsthand developed me from day one to be in upper management. And, and that was meaningful. And so now for three years I've been the general manager. But from day one, it was an investment in, in my skills, putting me on the road, um, doing everything I can to, to put me in a, the level of leadership that I'm in now. Mm -hmm. And I think we all need to challenge ourselves and across the board, different organizations, different businesses are, one, the hiring, but then how are we investing in our diversity and getting them to the level of leadership positions? And so we're, we're very focused in on one, you know, pre-college, how are we getting our, our, 
our communities ready for college. Mm -hmm. Higher education giving you a pathway to then getting the job, that, that dream job, and then investing in that diversity once they have the job to then getting to becoming a congressman or a senator or a head coach or a VP or a general manager of an NBA team. That, that's, that's the goal. That's the job that we're, we're trying mm -hmm. to have um, in a sustainable way. Mm -hmm. Coach, question for you about what you've learned from the WNBA as a model for using sports as a platform for social justice. How do you, how do you hope to leverage partnerships across both leagues? I mean, it's been powerful. Uh, black women have been you know, underrepresented for a long time. Uh, and for them to have the ability uh, and the platform, and I mean, they upped the amount of games that they put on TV, um, ESPN and ABC did. So think about that, you know what I mean? In this time, they've given them even more of a platform. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we're all fighting the same fight. Uh, and the more support, the more unity we have, the louder our voices can become. But I think it's, you know, again, it's, you see, it makes me smile to think about it, but it's like you see all these people who are just trying to do the same thing and do what they believe is right. And, you know what I mean, like that's encouraging. Uh, that's passion, you know what I mean? Like that, that's what this is about. We talk about our civic duty. Our civic duty is, you know, to do what's right by one another. We talk about patriotism all the time. We hear that word. Patriotism is standing together against whatever evils are in our faces, right? And racism is one of the largest, if not the largest evil that we faced as a country, and we need to address it. And we've got people now that are out there and they're addressing it in a multitude of ways. Mm -hmm. Kevin Clayton, this question about um, how you're handling pushback to the, to the organization's support of Black Lives Matter. This is a, um, but it's funny, I mean, it's, a, it's an important question. It's also funny, it's not like you can go to another team and start supporting that team instead. Right, and, and, and we have, have had some pushback. Uh -huh. And what we believe that our responsibility is, is the first to try to engage in conversation with those people who are pushing back, as well as to educate. I mean, we all have educated ourselves. We are more educated now today than prior to George Floyd's murder. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is because we knew we had to engage in understanding certain elements of, of what's going on in the movement. So from a pushback standpoint, we try to educate first, try to, one, empathize, educate. And at that point, there could be an opportunity where if we aren't coming in agreement with how others think, mm -hmm. we're going to stand by our values as an organization. You're okay to let it go? We're okay to let it go. That's powerful. That's powerful. Have you, have you had to... Let anybody go? Let any sponsors say goodbye to any sponsors uh, yet? No, not yet. I mean, mm -hmm. so far we're engaged in uh, communication. And it's not a large yeah. number of uh, people we're, that are pushing back. Uh, uh -huh. But we're engaging in conversation and, and uh -huh. hopefully educating and learning from each other. There's probably some season ticket holders who are upset too. Well, we haven't crossed that bridge yet where we've had to engage at that level, but we mm -hmm. will always stand by our values as an organization. Mm -hmm. You've been in sports, you know, and around sports for a long time. and. This is a moment when racial justice, whether it's about Black Lives Matter or it's about the name of our baseball team or the name of a football team in Washington, um, things are shifting so dramatically and so quickly. Um, a lot often in America, you know, and I was having this conversation with a friend of mine recently about the tension between the hope that we all have for America and the despair that, it's, that, that we're never going to see 
the kind of a, the, the country we aspire, you know, we, we hope for to actually manifest itself. Where are you on the hope despair spectrum right now, Kevin? Yeah, so initially, um, right after George Floyd, I was excited about all the different movements that were happening. You had mm -hmm. corporations that were writing big checks. Mm -hmm. You had organizations like the Redskins that are saying, hey, we're going to change our name. You had so many different things that were happening that was encouraging. Um, I'm not discouraged. I'm optimistic that we can continue the momentum. And I just really want to continue to go back to what Kobe said and what Coach said is that this has to be sustainable. It also is more than the moment. It's really turning the moment into the movement. And I'm excited for the fact that we have opportunities like this to continue the conversation. Throughout my career, I've not seen any uh, incident sustain itself over a period of time across so many aspects of the population. Mm -hmm. So it's not just three African-American men having this conversation. I've been in conversation where there were three white males having the conversation in, 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 in the Latino community. So it's lots of different people having this conversation, and that's what encourages me. And, and on that, too, is it's, to me, what I think we need to continue to focus on is it's not political, right? I think we're seeing a movement because people want to be on the side of right. And it's not right or left. It's wrong and right. And I think we're seeing these changes happen because people are aware of right and wrong. It's very easy to see. People are moving because they want to be on the right side of this, mm -hmm. on the right side of history, because I genuinely believe that people are good in nature, you know, innately. And, you know, there's certain groups of people that just don't care and they won't change. But the majority of people are good and want to see things happen in the right way. And I think now you're starting to see that wave of, People are learning, people are becoming educated, and now people are becoming inspired to do, which I think is you know, how the change will happen. Mm -hmm. In order to, for the work to be sustainable or to sustain, we have to choose it every day, Kobe. Um, that's different than the, the work of a general manager five years ago, right? Choosing, in addition to like making sure you're lining up the right trades and everything like that, choosing racial equity every day is a different framework for your work. And, and you have to make that commitment. You know, you have to make that commitment. And I'm, I'm fully invested in what needs to be done to make sure our organization keeps going down this path, keeps making the right investments uh, to create this change. But this is, uh, this is not going to happen a year from now, five years from now. Like, we have to keep on to, down this path. And it's not just us as an organization. So the NBA just announced... Um, a week or so ago, you know, a foundation. Um, we have not to title it yet, but an NBA foundation. So, um, so this is from the ownership level. Mm -hmm. Each team from the ownership level is going to donate a million dollars a year. So that's $30 million over the course of 10 years. So you're talking about the aggregate of almost $300 million investment in these issues. And the issue is going to be um, economic empowerment. And so the wealth uh, discrepancy obviously between uh, white and black uh, populations in this country is immense. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really excited and, um, and optimistic about if we're gonna tackle that problem, um, there's a lot of opportunity there to track it, to, to, to put metrics behind it. We talked about how can we actually track our success from a data standpoint? You know, how, how many jobs are we creating? How does that turn into upper management? How many scholarships are we giving out per year? How many, how many of those kids are getting through college and onto jobs? These are things we can track. Mm -hmm. And so if we're making these big time investments 
into economic empowerment, which again is access, but we're talking about just access, giving people a chance to, to, to join the workforce, contribute to society, get to upper level management, create future leaders. Um, I'm, I'm really optimistic on it. And so it's not just me, it's the, it's the league as a whole is committed and, and we have to be committed for the long haul. And that 10 year commitment is not gonna be enough. Mm -hmm. But let's, let, let's, let's start down the path, make the right investments, um, and, keep, and keep moving forward. Kevin Clayton, another question from a listener. I'm moved by the work the Cavs leadership is doing in social justice in an effort to dismantle systemic racism. Is there a plan to go into the affluent suburban school districts, which I think is code for white, uh, or communities to educate young and older folks of disparities and influence actions for change? Yes, so the work that we're doing in the community is not necessarily just in, in underserved communities and impoverished communities. Mm -hmm. I mean, almost every school system in the Northeast Ohio area, we have some sort of relationship with, and we have community, uh, a community team that's reaching out to those community uh, leaders so that we are absolutely connected, not just in what is perceived as the black community, but making sure that we are having these conversations is, you know, in Shaker Heights, in Avon, in other places across Northeast Ohio. That's great. And, these, and, and you think about, you know, our, our athletes, these are, these are iconic athletes across the board, no, no, no matter how rich or poor you are, they're people's heroes, they're our heroes. And when they see our guys hurting the way they have been, preaching the message they have been, um, there's real opportunity here for change, for everybody to be a part of it. And that's what we've seen, right? That's what we've seen with these protests. Mm -hmm. um, that's what we've seen across uh, social media. Mm -hmm. Everyone wants to be a part of, of this change in this history and this moment in time, but make it sustainable. And that's why this thing is, is continuing on. And that's why I was so proud of our, you know, our, our basketball association last night. And, and just to add on to that yeah. too, is, to Kobe's point is, you know, we live out in Avon Lake. Kevin and I went to a protest that was out in Avon and it was led by some high school kids. Yeah. And it, I mean, it, you know, to listen to them speak about the moment and what was going on and then to watch them lead us you know adults and grown folks you know down the street as we march down the street you know and you know I had my kids with me so it's like you're seeing these it's it's not just a inner city black problem or issue right this issue spreads across you know all colors uh, all races all genders and you know to watch those kids lead us was empowering, uh, to say the least. That's great. That's great. There's another question, a very specific question from a listener about um, online learning this fall. Most schools in Cuyahoga County public schools are likely moving towards, uh, towards remote learning. Many have already made that decision. Um, education is a high priority, a priority area for you. There's a massive digital divide inside of the city of Cleveland that we've spoken about at previous city club forums. What are the plans for the organization to assist there? Well, Kevin can talk about our, our parent company, Rocket Mortgage. Um, mm -hmm. That's a big deal for them, and that's mm -hmm. going to trickle down to Cleveland as well. Obviously, Detroit, they're Detroit-based, but um, we're going to invest a ton into that space. Yeah, and, and, and actually there is a, a plan in place right now where we understand the digital divide, and through Rocket Mortgage and leadership of our chairman, Dan Gilbert, we are looking at how do we bring resources to uh, Cleveland 
to make sure that partnering with organizations like the uh, Cleveland Greater Cleveland Partnership and those organizations that have a plan in place. So we're in the process now of figuring out how we can connect to make sure that we can close that digital divide. Uh, just throw this on this. Sorry, I know this ahead. is something that's extremely important to me is, is also those kids who depend on school for lunches and meals. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's something that we need to pay attention to too and get a plan in place for that. So we've done work in the past with the local food bank. Uh, so those are things that we're trying to get done as well and figure out how we can make sure that those kids get, are provided the nutrients that they need as well. So I, I thank you all so much for your time. This has been like really remarkable. Kobe Altman is general manager for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Coach J.B. Bickerstaff is head coach. And Kevin Clayton, vice president for diversity, inclusion, and community engagement at the Cleveland Cavaliers. And also, as I said earlier, full disclosure, a new City Club board member. But um, there would be a massive round of applause right now for all of you guys. And there is. You can think of it virtually. Um, but thank you so much for your time. Thank you. I'm Dan Maltrip. Please stay strong. Stay healthy and wash your hands, keep your distance, wear a mask, please, and stay close in your hearts if you can't be close in person. Our forum is now adjourned. For information on upcoming speakers or for podcasts of the City Club, go to cityclub.org. Production and distribution of City Club forums on IdeaStream are made possible by the generous support of PNC, the Chautauqua Institution, and the United Black Fund of Greater Cleveland Incorporated.